I think there should be better experiences in church. And so because of that, I just believe that, you know, last week, uh, I know quite a few of you weren't here last week, and uh, it just has been a stirring in my heart that um, Christians, I'm talking about Christians, not the world, not people who don't believe in God. I'm talking about Christians. I believe Christians, people who believe in Jesus. Am I talking to the right crowd? If I, I, I believe Christians need to experience God. And um, I believe that's why most people have a boring relationship with their Heavenly Father. I think that's why people don't want to come to church. I think that's why people don't want to read their Bible. I think that's why people don't really want, you know, because I can get through life really by myself. And there's been times in all of our lives, including mine, we wouldn't say that, but we kind of live that way, that I can get through life without God because I've got a good job, I'm healthy, my body's functioning right, my spouse loves me, I got a cute dog, life is good. And so God is just like on the back shelf somewhere. And, uh, you know, aren't you thankful that God never gets offended? I am so glad because there's been, you know, I was thinking this morning about my past. You know, you should only think about your past if it's good, uh, the good parts of your past. We all have ugliness in our past. We all have skeletons in our past. And that's why, you know, it's just a shame what the media is doing to people. If you said something wrong in the eighth grade, now you're canceled. You know, well, all of us would be canceled, but uh, I'm pretty sure somebody said something wrong in school or this morning. But anyway, I digress. But uh, I just feel like that God wants us to experience him in a new and fresh way in a relationship. And uh, he wants us to be, you know, we sing about he's my friend. Let's just be honest. Most people, he's not their friend because friends, you talk and you hear from him and you talk to them. So it's a two-way street. And uh, I, I just know that God wants us to be his friend. I don't think God is up in heaven saying, I don't want to talk to you now. You know, America's a mess, so I don't want to talk to anybody in America. I don't think God's up there with his arms crossed pouting. Uh, because of all the yuck that's going on in our nation. But um, I shared this scripture last week, 1 Corinthians 1, 6. It says this, For the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you. Let me, let me just say that. The reality of the truth of Christ is seen, seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. Jesus was saying that they were strengthened because they saw something. They knew something about Christ, and it's because they experienced him. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I remember, you know, I came into the charismatic back in the 70s where, you know, there was some flaky stuff going on. And there's still flaky stuff going on in church. But just because there's flaky stuff going on, you don't discount the real. I mean, there, there's, I mean I've mean, i been in some way, I'll tell you what. 
I, some of the services I've been in, I guarantee you, if you all were in them, you would have ran fast. Even if you had a sore leg, you would have ran. But I'm telling you, but I, I just knew that there, there was something real about God, about experiencing Him, about His presence. You know, His presence is, I mean, I mean, we know as believers, the Bible says this, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we know that. We know that God never leaves us, no matter what. I don't care what you do. God's never going to leave you, no matter what. But at the same time, there is a manifested presence that I have felt. Have you ever felt the manifested presence of God? I mean, I know God's with me all the time, but I mean, I have felt God, and I knew that he was there. And, 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 and man, you just, and what I normally respond is I just start crying. You know, I just cry. You know, people go, are you sad? No. I'm not sad. I'm really happy. You know, you just, it's just a difficult thing to explain. But um, God wants us to experience if you've never been healed before. There's Christians that live their whole life and never got healed or received, I should say, never received the healing from their master. Never. Didn't know about it. I have relatives that have died and gone and didn't know anything about healing. I've had friends that had died early and young, didn't know anything about healing. And don't, don't get me wrong, there's no condemnation. God's not going up in heaven going, when they come through the gates and go, really? Really? He's not going to do that. He, he enjoys when people get to heaven, whether they died at age 5 or 55 or 105. He, he just is going to just love it when they get there no matter what. Having said that, I believe that every Christian, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they should receive healing. But there's something greater, and you've heard me say this, and that is that you never get sick. And I know the majority of Christians on this planet do not believe that. And that's fine. Well, it's not really fine. But, I mean, if you don't believe that, then you don't have to worry about it coming on you. You know, people say, I don't believe that stuff. Well, you don't have to worry about it. God's not going to slap you upside the head and say, too bad. I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> but I believe people need to experience God as far as protection. You heard that story about this woman. She got filled with the Holy Ghost, and she went home, and uh, she was a, a single lady, and a robber came into her house. She was taking a shower, and the robber jerked back the, the curtain and she looked at him pointed her finger and stuck it in his chest and started speaking in tongues and said in the name of Jesus that guy freaked out and ran out of the house that's called protection supernatural protection and there's times that you know I know when we get to heaven I I hope this happens is all the times that God protected us and we didn't even know now there's times that I know because I did some not so smart things when I was young that and I could have been dead, almost dead, and one time did die, but you know, the Lord protected me. I believe we should experience that. I believe we should not not the stupid part. Not <laughs> please don't take this message and go, hey honey, you want to go jump off a cliff? See if God protect no, that's that's stupid, yeah. 
And uh, nobody's not in here yet. Okay. She doesn't like me using that word in a pulpit. But anyway, um, provision. It is word. Provision, being supernat- supernaturally provided for. You know, most of my life, I think, you know, I, I have never, and this is not bragging on Mike. This is bragging on God. I've never had to get unemployment. I've never had to uh, get money from anybody or any government agency or anything. I have been provided for every since I was 16 years old and started working. I have always had provision. We went to Africa, Melody and I, and I think we had less than $300 a month support. And our missionary house cost $300 rent. And we, had, we didn't even have enough money to, to fulfill that. We made every monthly payment. We had plenty of food, and we were able to be a blessing as well. I mean, God has just supernaturally provided. But you, have you experienced supernatural provision? Because God wants us to experience that. And now, I'm telling you this, he wants you to experience that at a higher level than what you, you just think, oh, yes, you know. $100 came in the mail. I'm so thankful that was $100 more than what I thought. Yeah, and that's good. Thank the Lord. Praise God. But we need to experience supernatural provision that you get enough in that if somebody needs a car, you can go buy them a car. If somebody needs a house, you can say, go pick one out. I don't believe missionaries should have to come back to America and, um, what's the word? Itinerate, you know, travel from church to church to raise support. I don't believe that. I believe, don't get me wrong, they, they have to because churches aren't giving them enough money. But the church should be blessed enough to where they can say, how much money do you need a year? I believe that's the way God wants us to look at things. But we have to experience that. Because let me tell you, it is so easy just to sit back, you know, and live paycheck to paycheck or live Sunday to Sunday. The bills are met. You know, everything is good. Life is good. Life is sweet and everything. And you can just expect that, and that's just what you will get. But in Isaiah, it says, strengthen or, or lengthen the, the, the tent cords. Make room. Get a, bit, get a bigger tent. And straight, get stronger lines because this tent needs to be bigger. And so it needs to have stronger cords. And just get ready for increase. Most of the church people, you know, we don't, we don't expect an increase. We don't expect, you know. And let me tell you, not just a little bit of increase. I'm talking about holy cow. That kind of experience. This is what God wants us to start. And I believe God's raising up people to start having that perspective and start having that kind of faith, start having that kind of belief, to start having that, I want the supernatural in my life. Having relationships restored, having families restored that haven't talked. You know, you talk, I've, I've heard somebody, you know, say, I haven't talked to this person in 20 years. You think. Overcoming the night, overcoming the, the darkness that is in this nation, in this world. I, I, I'm not afraid, and I'm not, you know, there's a lot of prophecies and stuff, and it's doom and gloom, and preachers are just saying, you know, judgment's coming and all of that. And you know, 
I believe God, if it, let me just say this, if all hell breaks loose in America, if the trucks quit rolling, if we run out of diesel, we run out of gas, there's no food. As for me and my house, we're going to have food on the table. We cannot just say, if, if America falls, I'm going to fall. No. If America falls, I'm going to be standing. We have to have that kind of faith. And listen, you don't want to start thinking like that when that does happen. Let's, let's, you know, it's not, you know, that crazy story. It's 500 years old and it's boring even to tell. You know, you don't fix a roof when it's, when it's raining. You fix it before it rains. You don't have this kind of expectation when you don't, when there's no food. Man, wasn't that eerie when, during COVID and you went to, I went to Walmart and to get something, and, and there was nothing there to get. So I went back and got my family and said, this is just creepy looking. So I got them just to show them what it looked like. <laughs> you know? The shelves were empty, not because I was scared. I just thought, ow, man, this is weird looking. <laughs> if it happens again, do you panic like the rest of the world? Listen, if God could feed Elijah with birds and fed him meat, with birds bringing it to it. Man, I don't know how he's going to feed, but that's the kind of God we serve. He'll take care of you. In the time of famine, in the time of drought, in the time of scarcity, in the time of not having anything, our God provides. We need to experience that. John 4, 22. Your people don't really know the one they worship. This is when, let me just give you a little backdrop. The woman at the well, God was telling, talking to her and and uh, telling her about her life. And so uh, she changed the subject and uh, started talking about, you know, we worship here, and you guys, you Jews, say you worship over there. She was a Samaritan woman. She says, your people don't really know the one they worship. This is Jesus speaking. We Jews worship out of our experience. For it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. Jesus said to the woman, we worship out of our experience. Jesus was saying this. This is before he went to the cross. He's saying, we experience God. And that's how we serve him, out of our experience with God. I believe most churches today, most people going to church today, they'll go to church, they'll sing Lovely songs have a professional band in them, just jamming everybody. I mean, it's worthy to go buy tickets to. They're so good. And, and then they hear a flowery sermon or a sermon, and they, the pastor sends the back door. That was a great message, pastor. And everybody goes home, and they didn't even experience God. I know. And this is, listen, I'm not here to slap the church or slap people. I was reading this book this past week, and I just had to skip the first three chapters because it was, the church is this, and the church is not doing that, and the church is this. And there's some truth to that. I mean, the church should not be about, you know, just smoke machines and, and great bands on it. And I get that. I get that. It shouldn't be about that, you know. But I believe pastors were doing what they could to get people to come in. But I do know this. That won't keep people in. It's going to take God and the Holy Ghost to keep people. And listen, and for the, to keep people in, people have to experience him, to experience God in their everyday life. 
Not just on Sunday. Thank God, you know, we, we should experience them on Sunday. But how about Monday and through Saturday? Let's experience God then too. We need to experience them. This is what I was just thinking of John 16, 13. It says, however, when he, Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He says he will guide you in all truth. The New Living Testament says when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. I don't know, but I think maybe Christians wouldn't be as worried if they knew a few things about the future. But did you know God can reveal that to you? Did you read that? Do you believe that? Do you expect that? I mean, it's so easy just to read the Bible and check off the Bible read today box. Done that, been there. Reading the Bible through in a whole year, you know. My little grandson, he says, how many times have you read the Bible in your whole life? I go, man, I don't know. 15, 20 times? He was, what? That's a, whoa. You know what? I mean, that may get you a gold star. But are you experiencing what you're reading? Are you experiencing what you're reading? That's why God wants us to read the Bible. First of all, to find out what kind of God we serve, the character of God. But to experience him, we should experience him while we're reading it and after we're reading it. And all the other times. No, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, there was some flakiness, like I said, back in the 70s. You know, people were saying, yeah, God told me to put, you know, green pants on today. And God told me this. And God told me to brush my teeth. And I'm going, <laughs> I'd do that without him saying those things. Don't really need to hear God what, how to get dressed. He gave me a brain. I can do that on my own. He knows I should brush my teeth in the morning, you know. Now, if you're not brushing your teeth, he may tell you, hey. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not saying there's, there's people, and, you know, and there was people who saw a demon behind every rock. You know, we went through that phase. You know, there was a demon, here a demon, there a demon, everywhere a demon, demon. Oh, make, I mean, there was just demons everywhere. <laughs> that was a weird phase. But it doesn't mean there's not demons. It just means that, that shouldn't be your main theme and concentration in life. I'm looking for demons. Oh, you'll find them. The Holy Ghost leads us and guides us and shows us things to come. I believe that should be something part of us. You know, in Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. We see that most people... No, Psalms 20, people who don't even go to church, they know Psalms 23, and they know that first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One translation says, you know, there shouldn't be a lack in your life for anything, because why? Because he's my shepherd. What do shepherds do? What do shepherds do? You know, we're, you may not be familiar with this culture, but, you know, in the Middle East, and, and uh, uh, I believe, is it New Zealand that has more sheep than people? Yeah, that's a lot of sheep. Anyway, uh, that was a bad joke. But anyway, it was a lot of sheep. But anyway, my point is this, is that, you know, if, if you don't, if you've never read what a, a shepherd does, you know, 
He walks. He's the one out in front and sheep are following him. And he, he guides the way. He finds the best path for his flock. And he leads them, the Bible says in Psalms 23, beside still waters. Why? Because sheep, they don't like drinking from rivers, rushing water. It scares them. So it needs to be still water for them to drink from. So the shepherd leads them to still waters. The shepherd also leads them to green pastures. So if you read that, it can be just a real religious type thing. But what he's saying is this. Just what it says here in John 16, the Holy Ghost leads you and guides you into all truth and he will show you things to come. The good shepherd's going to lead you and guide you, help you to make right decisions, help you to make godly decisions. And he's also going to take you to places where you can drink from and enjoy life and have green pastures where everything's going to be provided for you. And if there's ever a lion coming, the, the shepherd's going to smack him upside the head and protect you. There's, life is good when you know that you're underneath the shepherd. But if one of the sheep takes off running and gets away from the sheepfold and gets away from the shepherd, you know, then, you know, you've seen that one picture and he's got a sheep ran away and it's got thorns and thistles all in it and everything. Then you got to get sheared. But anyway, I mean, uh, this is what happens, you know, and if you don't get into thorns and thistles, you think, you know, life is, is okay away from the shepherd. And it can't appear that way. But I'm telling you, you won't experience what God wants you to experience. And so don't, don't get flaky on me and just start, oh, I want to experience something. I want to experience. No, but just have a desire. God, I want to experience you. You know, if you're looking for a sign, you know, the devil can, he can accommodate that. But I, I, I believe you, we just want to experience the reality of what God wants us to experience. And I don't believe the church is doing that. I said, I don't believe the church is doing that. I don't. And, re and when I say church, I'm talking about people who go to church, people who don't go to church, and they're still part of the body of Christ. Just because they don't go to church, they're still part of the body of Christ. But this is, I believe that it would be more inviting to them to come to a place to meet with one another. You know, and the Bible even says that, you know, as... The days proceed in the last days. It said we should gather together even more so. Why? Because we need one another. But this is the thing. That God wants us to experience him. And I believe if Christians were experiencing God. First of all, I don't believe this world would be in the shape that it's in today. I don't. But I believe that there would be more of an excitement of our walk with God. I don't believe God intended for our walk with God to be boring. And if, ever, if everybody didn't put their name on a piece of paper and, and, said, and filled it out, is your walk with God boring? I'm pretty sure the majority of the church around the world would say in the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very boring, 1 being so exciting, I pee in my pants when I get up. You know I mean, I mean, it's just great. Okay, maybe that wasn't a great illustration, but my point is this. You know, you wouldn't put that on your piece of paper. But my point is, you know, like on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very boring, I bet you the majority of the church world would be over 5. 
between 5 and 10. Over 5 and 10. Probably 7, 8. I know, I'm just guessing. But it just appears that way. I've been a 10. I've been a 10. I've told God, you know what? I just want you to know this is, this is boring. Just my relationship with you is boring. You might as well be honest. He's not going to go... <gasps> He doesn't get offended. No, he'll probably say, and whose fault is that? I learned that line from my wife. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Joel chapter 2, verse 28. This was a prophecy. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How much flesh? All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Now, this is a prophecy that this prophet was seeing in the future. He said, this is what I see is going to happen. And also on my men's servants, my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. You know, people are trying to figure out, well, what's that blood, fire and pillars? All I know is God wants to show himself. Well, in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, it starts happening. I said, starts happening. Acts 2, 1 says, when the day of Pentecost is fully come, this is 50 days after Jesus raised from the dead, come they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there was just 120 of them, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jew, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. In other words, there were people from all different cultures and every different language types. And when they came, they heard this one speaking they're, you know, Swahili, and they heard this one speaking uh, Spanish, and they heard this one speaking Kentuckian. <laughs> you had to get that in. They were all amazed. Verse 7, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, and these, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and that Capriolata, whatever it is, <laughs> and those other places, all of those other places. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. The Cretans, the Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. The wonderful works of God. They heard the wonderful works of God. Verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. One translator said they were drunk. Well, you know, the only reason they were probably thought they were drunk is because they acted and looked drunk. Which means that, you know, they weren't all prim and proper and going, speaking in tongues, standing up. No, I think they were falling down, couldn't hardly get up, you know. 
You know how you're looking at me real holy. Some of you, I know what you probably look like. But anyway, that goes beyond. But I mean, the, the point is this. They, they look like they were drunk and couldn't stand up and, and they were falling over and maybe slobber coming out and speaking. You know, just like, these men are drunk. I'm telling you, this ain't no move of God. This is drunk. You know, if you ever, okay, don't say that. Uh, let me just give you an illustration. If I, any kids in here, do not do this at home. You got a metal coat hanger and you stuck it in the electrical outlet. You're going, you're going to feel something. Now, my son-in-law, Nathan, if he did that, nobody would know that anything happened. If Mike Davis did that, all of Pueblo County would know that something happened. People respond in a different way. You know, there is the power of God that can manifest on your life. We all have the power of God. Ephesians 3.20, behold, I get, he says that you, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is in you. The power is in you. But how many know the power can also come upon you? It can come upon you, and it manifests, and when it does, people respond in funny ways, different ways. Some people cry. Some people laugh. Some people just, boom, fall down. Some people, whatever, it's just fill in the blank. Now, I know during the charismatic movement, you know, people, they saw that, and then so then when stuff like that happened, then they, they tended to act weird on top of that. But, you know, it, it doesn't nullify the power of God falling on people. This is what was happening. Verse 15. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Third hour of the day is 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, in America, that would mean nothing. But back then, you know, people didn't get drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what <clears throat> was spoken by the prophet Joel. Shall come to pass in the last days, says God, and I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy, your young men shall... See visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and all my men servants and all my maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven and signs in the earth beneath blood and vapor smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, we can just read that and fill out our religious square that we read that. But God wants us to experience that. He wants us to experience the power of God where you see visions. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you fast, you know, I see visions. Chick-fil-A. Oh, I see it. Those crispy fries. I, ooh, I can take. No, not that kind of vision. He's talking about visions where you see something that God speaks to you. A dream where you know it's not because you ate pizza. You know that it's a dream from God. I've had dreams before, and it was just weird, you know, just a weird dream. But then I've had dreams before that, man, it was God speaking to Mike Davis. Have you ever had a vision? Have you ever had a dream? Have you ever prophesied? He said all of these things. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, not on preachers. You know, that's preacher stuff. No, he said on all flesh 
And I know some people that says, man, this is scary, Pastor. Where are you trying to take our church? I'm getting scared. He says, scary, scary. It's real scary. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what's scary is going through life without God. That's scary. Come on. That's what's scary. Relying upon your own intellect. And we know how smart you are. Okay, that wasn't put down. But anyway, this is the thing, you know. We need God and to expect God to move in your life. In your life. How about God showing you the future? How about God showing, you know, you have to, you know, well, that's for the prophets. Honey, man, you listen on YouTube, man. There's 5,000 prophets and they're saying 5,000 different things. You know, I mean, the majority of them said Trump was going to be president right now. We knew how that went. But anyway, I digress. But my point is this. You can't, you, God wants to speak to you. He doesn't want you just to get all your revelation through Mike or some TV evangelist. He wants to speak to you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you where you hear God. You hear God. And let me just be honest. You know, don't, I've never heard audibly, except for one time in my life where it was so, it wasn't audible, but it was more real than anything. And that was when, it was the first day, you've heard me probably tell this story, my first day driving at FedEx. I worked six months in the office. They hired me as a driver when I got out of the Air Force, but they couldn't put me on the road until I turned 21. So in about six months or less, I forgot what it was. So the first day, and the boss told me the week before, now listen, here's the rules. You know, if you have a wreck within the first 90 days, you're fired. And, you know, he kept going on, kept telling me all this thing. Got it, okay. It was Saturday morning, my first day, which meant there was only two drivers for the whole city, all southern Indiana and all the city of Louisville. This is how long ago. Now there's probably 100 that do that. But um, Saturday morning, me and this guy showed up, and there's only like four or five of us unload the aircraft, and then only two of us go out and deliver all of this area. Driving 50 million miles, it seems like. And uh, it was my first day. I was excited. Summer day. Windows rolled down. Because back then, we didn't have air conditioning. So uh, I'm out on the east end of Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I'm at a four-way stop sign at kind of out. It wasn't the business type area. It was more residential area. And so this guy was pulling... Uh, the uh, vehicle with a rope, you know. We do that in Kentucky a lot. So anyway, he was pulling, and I could tell, you know, I didn't want him to hit the front end of my my van. So I look in my rearview mirror and put it, in, and I jumped back real quick because he was coming. And, man, I just boom, I rolled right up on the hood of a small car. And I looked in my right mirror. Yep, there they are. They were kind of caught, you know, three-fourths of their car was on that. And I thought, who does that? First of all, who does that? Who goes, hey, let's just let's put my tires over the white line and park on this side and see what's on the other side of that. But, I mean, anyway, I did. so it was my fault. It was. But I'm just thinking, who does that? You're looking, you, you should be able to, ah, I'm over it, though, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I may need a little bit more therapy, but anyway... It, it, it was it was horrible. I mean, I just I mean, I mean, I torqued it too, man, because I mean, I'm on top of the hood, you know. <laughs> when I do something, let's go for it. 
And I thought, oh, my gosh. In the words, I saw living color. <laughs> my boss saying, you have a wreck in the first 90 days, you're fired. I was going to be married in about a month. So I thought, I'm going to be married and unemployed. Not a good combination. Especially if you are the woman. Marrying somebody like that. So anyway, I <laughs> filled out the police report, man, and we got off the hood, and I could still drive. I finished my whole route. The manager's not there that day, so that was Saturday. I had to wait all day Saturday, all night Saturday night, all day Sunday, Monday night, or Sunday night, and then Monday morning I had to walk into the office. Just want you to know had an accident. Oh, and I went through and explained and everything. Let me tell you what happened before that. I almost missed the whole story. Can't believe that. <laughs> I was driving, finishing my route. This is the most important part of the story. I was driving, finishing my route. It was out in the country, east of Louisville. Man, I started crying out to God. Crying and crying out to God. <laughs> All the above. And God, man, help me. I mean, I'm getting ready to marry you. I'm going to lose my job. I will not have a job. This is going to be the last day I work. I mean, man, it's terrible. I'm just letting God have it. And this is what's happening, God. All of a sudden, my van filled up with the presence of God. I'm not in church. I'm in my van, just so you know. I mean, I just felt God all over me and in that van. You say, what is that? I can't, if you've never felt that, it's just hard, hard to explain it. So it was all in my van. Man, I started crying and saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You always take care of me. You've always taken care of me. And I didn't hear it audibly, but it was the most powerful thing I've ever heard since then. Never heard the voice of God this strong. Mike, you're not going to lose your job. The rest of my day, I was happy. I was happy. So I walked in to tell, I, I felt bad, and I thought, I don't know how this, how is this going to turn out? Because I know what he said, but I know what God said. So I thought, if you put the two together, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm not going to lose my, I had so much faith just went, boom, faith arose because I heard and had an experience. Did you get that? I said, I heard and experienced something, and I had faith like David and the lion and Goliath. I'm, you're going down, uh, Goliath. That's it. When you hear from God, man, no giant, every giant go, man, I feel sorry for you because you're going down. So I knew I was going to have a job. And so the boss just starts talking to me. And then for about 20 minutes, he was telling me everything that I did in the six months working in the office. Uh, he was just started bragging on me. You're a great employee, and you do this, and you're just an awesome employee. You know, and I know I told you about that, but you know what? We're just going to act like this didn't happen, and you're going to keep on working for FedEx. I said, thank you very much. I walked out of there and went, <laughs> God. I started praising God because I said, God, that was you, that was you, that was you, that was you. 
My point is this, if I none of that experience, I would never have had a career with FedEx. And just so you know, that was my very first day having my very first accident. I was the first one in my station in the city to get a ring. They gave you a ring for 10 years for never having a wreck. I never had another accident after that. So I just wanted to tell the manager, said, see there, it's a good thing you didn't fire me. I didn't have a wreck in 10 years, man. Everybody has wrecks at FedEx, man. Oh, my gosh. Everybody had wrecks. We ran over everything and got hit by everything. Got hit by everything and ran over everything. If it moved, you're your game. But anyway, you just drove like a maniac. Most of us did, including me. And see, you don't know how big a miracle that is, 10 years without a wreck. If you would have seen me in the driver's seat, you would go, this is God. How did you do it for 10 years? I never had a wreck. We need to experience God. Your faith will go to a newer level, a higher level. You will want to come to church. You want to hear silly messages like this that will change your life, that you can go out and you can experience God for yourself. You can hear God. He'll tell you about the future. I, my time's up, I know. But listen, there's this one businessman. He's, a, uh, he's an investor, and he goes into his office every day. And he just gets quiet. He tells the secretary not to disturb him in the first hour of every morning. And it's because he says, I'm spending an hour with God to see where we should invest as a company. He's a multi, multi-millionaire, and he gives God the glory. He says, God tells me where to put my money. Wouldn't that be a lot better than going, come on, sevens. That would be a lot better, wouldn't it? I believe this should be the normal life for a Christian. And we think it's this, you know, way out there or weird or whatever. I believe God wants us to hear from him. In church, in our marriage, raising our kids, and in business, and buying vehicles and purchasing anything new, God wants you to hear from him. I don't know about you, but I would have been... Helped me in so many, so many terrible choices that I've made in my past. God said, yep, you own that one because you didn't talk to me about it. I wouldn't have told you to have done that, but you didn't ask me. And I went, yep, that's true. I didn't ask God. I did it my way. <laughs> Boy, was it bad. Let's think. I just hope this stirs you up because it stirs me up that I want to experience God. And your young teenagers, teenagers can experience. They said Mary and, and David were basically teenagers when God spoke to them. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. You know, you want me to be a prophet? I'm too young. And God, the angel of God said, don't say you're too young. I'm too old. Don't ever say you're too old. Kentucky Fried Chicken Man was 65 when he started KFC. 65, that's when he started. Smith Wigglesworth, I believe he was in his mid-60s when he started preaching. What's the point? You can be a child, you can be an elderly man, you can be retired, you can be working, you can have a career. You can be divorced seven times. Fill in the blank, whatever. God says, 
You know, I'm just glad he, he doesn't say, you're not qualified. You realize that nobody's qualified. I said nobody's qualified to experience the goodness of God. Nobody's qualified. So don't, you know, they, because the devil used to say, you know, you're not smart as that person. You know, and I used to go, yeah, you're right on that one. I am definitely not smart. You don't have to have the right intelligence. You don't have to have the right background, born on the right side of the tracks. Don't have to have any of that. You just have to have a hunger that I want to know you, God. Just a desire. A desire and a hunger to know God. I said a desire and a hunger to know Him. And I believe He wants to take us all on a journey. We'll look back right before we give up the last breath and go, wow. Thank you for my life. Paul said, I'm about ready to leave this place, but he says, I'm thankful that I finished my course with joy. With joy. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you your kindness that leads people to repent your word even says that it's your kindness that leads us to repent you want us to know you Lord you're not withholding anything the word has already said if you gave us Jesus I want to give you everything everything else so God we look to you today and I just pray for everybody's listening and everybody that will hear this message that there will be such a stirring on the inside of them that they will not be satisfied with their life where they're at right now. They won't be satisfied. They'll be just stirred up and say, I am going to be like a bulldog, determined to get what God has given to me, what God has provided for me. I'm determined to hear from God. I'm determined when I read the word, I will get revelation knowledge. I'll hear from God when I read the word. I'll hear from God when I go to church. I hear from God throughout the week, driving down the road, taking a shower, punching in on the clock. I will hear from you, Father, because you have promised my sheep. Hear my voice. The Holy Ghost leads us and guides us in all truth, and he even shows us the future. I can't wait for the testimonies, God. I believe there will be testimonies. I believe there'll be testimonies of people truly believing that they laid hands on the sick and they recovered. There'll be testimonies that I heard from God in this investment and I bought this and purchased this and made thousands of dollars. God, I believe there'll be testimonies of abundant provision. I believe there's testimonies about restoration of, of relationships. There'll be testimonies of the goodness of God that people will know that it wasn't just because of them or because of this. The only thing they'll say is, it was my father. It was my father. I thank you for helping us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.